All right, it's, it's really a delight for me today to have a week off from preaching, and, uh, and I am really looking forward to what Thomas has to say to us from the Word of God. I don't know if you know that, but Thomas, who is one of our elders, uh, is, is one of our teaching elders here as well, and Thomas is in seminary. He's currently enrolled at, enrolled at Crown Seminary up in Minneapolis. He's doing their distance program. And, uh, and so it's been really cool to see for me over the last Four and a half, how long have you been here? Four and a half years? Has it been that long? Something like that. A long time. Uh, about just how God has been moving and working in Thomas's life. And uh, it's fun for me to be able to hand over to him the preaching of the word today and know that he's going to handle the word accurately and well. And so I want to pray for him as he com- comes up here and presents the word to us today. Heavenly Father, God, I'm grateful for Thomas. I pray that your spirit would speak through him. Lord, I pray that because I know you've already been working in his heart and through the word to prepare um, his thoughts for today. And so let his thoughts reflect your thoughts. God, I pray that as hearers, our minds and hearts would be open to the message and that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, but that we would be doers. And so God, we need you to make any sense of this thing we call your scriptures. God, I pray that you would touch our lives and transform us today as we listen to your word. We pray this all in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. And if Dave's glad that you're all here this morning, I'm really glad. That means I didn't labor in vain. So I'm really glad for that. Hey, good morning, everyone. Yeah, it's good. Happy New Year. Hey, quick, did everybody get what they wanted for Christmas? Everybody get what they want? That, that you can answer that question. I never got what I wanted for Christmas as a kid. For three straight years, all I wanted for Christmas was an electric football set. Those, you, know, you guys know this one, the big piece of metal that vibrates and your little plastic guys go nowhere where you want them to? I wanted that thing so bad. In fact, I didn't want just any set. I wanted the Super Bowl edition because it had the Dallas Cowboys against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I thought, finally the Cowboys would be able to beat the Steelers in the Super Bowl. I got really excited about that. Plus, a friend of mine had it, and it was really cool, and we played it all the time over at his house, but I wanted my own. And every year, I'd go to the mall, and we'd sit down, and I'd go to see Santa, and I'd sit on on his lap, and I'd say, Santa, all I want is an electric football. And so, you know, after the third year of asking and practically begging Santa for an electric football set, finally, I got on his lap. I said, listen, man. How good do I have to be to get this electric football set? Come on, you're killing me. So I finally gave that dream up, and I moved on and grew up. And and, uh, many, many, many years later, I'm actually working at a game store. And I come in after my day job. I'm working there part-time to pay off college debt and to support my game habit. And I come in, and there, in the front of the store is an electric football set. I hadn't seen one for years. And I got so excited. I, you know, it, it was still a couple days before payday, and the rule was that I had, you know, part of my money was mine to spend how I wanted, usually on games. So I grabbed one, I put my name on it, I put it in the back of the, the store, and um, payday comes along, and I grab it, and I pay for it, and it's a Friday night. I'm working until close there. It's 9 o'clock at night. I have to be back there at 8, but I didn't care. I ripped open the box, and I set it up, and I plugged it in. Did you know electric football sets are pretty lame? 
I mean, really? They are the lamest thing in the world. I don't know what your eight-year-old Tom was thinking and wanting one so bad. And now it sits in my garage collecting dust. What do you desire? What did you want for Christmas this year? Did you know that the Bible has a lot to say about our delights and our desires and our passions? So often I think we have this mistaken idea that the Bible is just one big book telling us no. Don't do that. Don't delight in that. Keep your hands off. Don't see. Don't drink. Don't touch. Don't do that. But yet, The Bible is full of passages where repeatedly it talks about not just joy, but about your joy, your passions, your delights. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to open them right now to Psalm 37.4. We've got one, just one verse today. And at the end of this message, you will have this verse memorized because this is our big idea today. If you walk away with only one thing today, it's this, Psalm 37, 4, and it reads, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You see, God wants us to enjoy and take our delight and our joy ultimately in him. Now, aside from the awesome preaching we get every week from Dave, Perhaps the only other guy who's influenced me so much through his preaching and his writing has been John Piper. I love the teaching of Dr. Piper. And this is, this is directly his message. The idea that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And that the chief aim of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. God wants us to enjoy him and take our delight in him. And when we do this, when we delight in him, we receive the desires of our heart. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that you created us just the way that you did. And I thank you that you created us with this passion and a and this ability to desire and to take delight. You created us of creatures, creatures who can take joy in life, this life that you've given us, and take our joy and our delight ultimately in you. So, Father, I pray this morning that as we open your word, that uh, you would guard my heart and my tongue, that I would say only the things that you would want me to say. And most importantly, Lord, I pray that we would leave here this morning, that we would hear your word, and we would be transformed and we would be changed so that we could become more like you. Because we love you, and we want to be like you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So this morning in this passage, I see three things. Primarily because all good sermons have three points, and all good sermons are alliterated. So they're going to be alliterated for you as well. And the first thing that we see here is we see a command. We see a command. Notice what it says here. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Notice the tense here. This is a command. God's not saying, eh, if you feel like it. Eh, when you get around to it. 
Now, it's not a command like the mom I saw at Disney World one time. I'm coming off the Jungle Cruise, and she's in the face of her 8-year-old with the mom finger. You moms know this finger. And she's down there. She's eye-to-eye with him, and she's shaking her finger. She's like, we are at the happiest place on earth, and you will have a good time. It's not like that. (laughs) Although that is one of my all-time favorite memories. I love that. Um, No, it's not like this. God, though, is concerned intimately with our passions and our joys. So often we view joy and passion as something to be avoided. There's a reason that we're commanded to delight in the Lord, and it's not that he's commanding us to delight. We were created with the ability to delight, to take joy in things. The reason God commands us to take our delight in him is that in the fall, our desires are broken. God God created us with an ability to passionately pursue our joy. Just like he created us with the ability to love, to laugh, God created in us the ability to desire and to take delight in things. As I said, though, the problem is that our desires are messed up. If we read in Genesis chapter 3, we know this story, but I'm going to read it for us anyway. This, okay, so Adam and Eve are in the garden. Eve has been tempted. Genesis 3, 6, it says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired, to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then verse 7 says, Then the eyes of both were opened, and they saw that they were naked. The fall. See, the problem isn't that we desire and we delight. The problem is that we desire and we delight in all the wrong things. Sin has not just tainted our souls. Sin has corrupted every ounce of our being. And Jesus didn't come just to redeem our souls so that we could someday go and sit on a cloud in a diaper and play a harp. No, he came to redeem our very being. He came to restore everything about us. I want you to think about it this way. Jesus is passionate, right? He was passionate for, his, for the lost He was passionate for, he remains passionate for his bride, the church. Since we know we are created in the image and likeness of God, we read that in Genesis, does it not make sense that God created us with the same capacity for passion and desire as he has? No, you see, he wants to redeem those passions and those delights. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. There's this, throughout the New Testament, there's this constant thread that Jesus came not just so that he could, we can get fire insurance and go to heaven, but that he came to redeem every aspect of our lives. 
including our passions and our delights. Jerry Bridges explains it thusly. He says, God will put his law in our minds and he will write it in our hearts. That is, he will give us a new disposition that, instead of being hostile to God's law, actually delights in it. Delighting in the Lord begins and it ends with Jesus. It's all about him. It's not what he can give you. It's not what he can do for you. It's not what blessings or presents or rewards. He does all those things, and they're awesome, and we should be thankful for them, but it's not about that. Delighting in the Lord begins and ends with Jesus. In Matthew, and I'm going to, in Matthew, uh, there's a passage, it's one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture, that there's this field that this man comes across and there's a treasure. You guys have probably heard this parable before. And he goes and he sells everything he can. He can. And it's interesting because it says, in his joy, he sells all that he has so that he can get the treasure. That's what Jesus is. That we sell everything in our joy. We give up all of our things in our joy for him. So my question for you this morning is that, is he enough? Is Jesus enough for you today? So we see a command in this passage, but in this command, we also see a challenge. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. This is, for you people who love logic, the logical people in this room, this is a classic if-then statement. If you delight in the Lord, then he will give you the desires of your heart. So again, I'm going to ask you, what did you ask for for Christmas this year? I was reading a blog post this past week, and this guy uh, in his blog, he says, look, I want everyone who reads my blog to pray for the myriad of, of outreach opportunities that are going on around the globe that people are using the celebration of the birth of Christ as a means to proclaim the gospel. And you may not know one specifically, but just pray for those. Pray that people would come to Christ during Christmas. It kind of makes our sugar plums and eye gadgets seem kind of, I don't know, pale in comparison, don't you think? You see, the first symptom that you're not delighting in the Lord is that you are desiring the wrong things. What do you desire? What do you take your delight in? Is it success? Is it wealth? Is it winning? A friend of mine last night on Facebook posted a picture of the Cubs logo and said, wait till next year and tomorrow is next year. Go Cubs. And I said, I said to him, I said, well, you know that as soon as tomorrow gets here, wait till next year becomes wait till 2013. So they, they still won't win. So that was my Cubs reference for all the Cubs fans in the room. But what do we, what do we delight in? Winning? We and I would know all about winning, don't we? Has anybody in this room gotten a political call in the past week? No? Am I the only one? Nobody else answers their phone, I guess. I don't know. I think I got more letters from Ron Paul this year than I got Christmas cards. I mean, it's insane. I'm like, I don't even know how I got on his mailing list, but somehow I did. 
I mean, we all know we're in the middle of caucus season and it's going to continue to ramp up until Tuesday. And I, I'm going to take a guess that I'm not going to get any more phone calls after Tuesday. I don't think Mitt Romney is in the state because he happens to think we make a, gr- a great grilled cheese. I think he's here because he wants to win. What do you desire in? What are you, what are you passionate about? You see, God's passions and God's desires are radically different than the world's. What does God desire? Well, one, he desires that all the nations would be discipled, right? That's the Great Commission. Go into all the nations, making disciples of all men. But here's some other things that God desires. One, he desires that all men would be saved. In 1 Timothy 2.3, we read, This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. He desires that all men would be saved. Do we desire that? Jesus desired that we would see God's glory. In John 17, 24, we read, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. God desires that we would be merciful. Matthew 12, 7, Jesus is quoting an Old Testament passage. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. Is that your heart? I know it's not my heart most of the time. It's not what is first and foremost in my mind. If you delight in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. But if you're not getting the desires of your heart, there's a good chance that you're delighting in all the wrong things. But even if you're delighting in the right things, you can delight in them for all the wrong reasons. I mean, we all know churches whose primary goal isn't to make disciples, but just to get a lot of people into their building so they can build bigger buildings and they can have bigger, bigger, bigger. We all know the charities that are more concerned with our donations than they are about helping other people. M. Robert Mulholland writes this. He says, we are to be the will of God in every event, not simply to do the will of God. Doing God's will without being God's will quickly becomes legalism. But being God's will is impossible without doing God's will. So it's not just enough to desire the right things, but we also need to delight in God as we do them. You know, ultimately, delighting in anything other than God is pointless. Ecclesiastes bears this out. If you, if, I'll warn you, it's never a good idea to read Ecclesiastes if you're a little depressed anyway. Just a hint. Um, but in Ecclesiastes, we, you know, we read about how uh, we, tr- we strive and we do all these things. And early on, we read that King Solomon writes this. He says, Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and striving after the wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Has anybody ever tried to chase the wind? Has anyone caught the wind? No, you can't. 
It's pointless. It's impossible. And that's his point. You know, in the words of the old country song, work, you work all week, you work your fingers to the bone, and what do you get? Bony fingers. That's all you get. Delight yourself in the things of the world, and you get nothing. But delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Friends, what God wants you to understand is he does not want you to deny yourself just to deny yourself. He doesn't want you to walk around as a miserable, moping, unhappy person. He wants you to delight in him, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So in this verse, we see a command to delight yourself in the Lord. In that command, we see a challenge that we will get the desires of our heart. And in the challenge, we see a calling. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You see, when we accept God at his word, we get the deepest longings of our heart because our heart becomes like his. We long to see people come to Christ because that's what he desires. We love to see our lives oriented in such a way that we are on the same track as God. Our lives become so aligned with God's that we don't want to just obey because it's what Christians are supposed to do, but because it's what we want to see happen. Our wants, our loves, our passions, our desires are radically transformed by delighting in the Lord. But to do this, our lives have to look radically different than the world around us. I know a little bit about this. A couple years ago, before we went on our first scouting trip um, overseas, um, family is like, you know, oh, what are you doing? Well, we're going on a mission trip. Oh, really? Where are you going? Well, I'm going to Africa and the, the Middle East. And my brother-in-law, who at the time had no idea, looks at me, looks me in the eye and says, well, I don't care where you go, but you better not go to... And he names the country that we've since adopted. I'm like, how did you... I didn't say... How, what prompted you to say that country? Since that time, it's, you know, we've talked with family and, and they know where we go and, and, you know, family thinks I'm crazy for going. So that's Julie's side of the family thinks I'm crazy because like, we go over to the, to the Middle East to, to do missions work. My side of the family, uh, my dad earlier this summer, I told him I was going back to school. I was going to seminary. Uh, well, first I said, Dad, I'm going back to school this fall. He says, well, for what? And I said, well, I'm going to seminary. And he said, That's crazy. Um, my dad's not a believer, and he just said, that's crazy. Stay where you're at, meaning stay at, at my, my job at Wells Fargo. And he says, stay where you're at, and you'll be fine. So I've got one half of my family that thinks I'm crazy because I'm doing what God's called me to do. I've got the other side of my family that thinks I'm crazy for doing what God's called me to do. Now, I'm still not crazy enough to get out of praying before every meal because I'm the seminary guy, and I have to. I guess they think that when you go to seminary, you get the direct phone line to God I guess, you know, dear God, thank you for these crustaceans that gave their life for the uh, lobster bisque tonight. <laughs> but we live, either way, my family thinks I'm nuts because I'm passionately pursuing the things of God. 
You see, the point is this. The world desires what the world delights in. Money, power, success, fame. The Christian should delight in the things that God delights in. And when we do, we will look different than the world around us. You don't need to look any further than Denver and the Broncos football team and Tim Tebow. I don't, I still baffles me that just because somebody says, I thank Jesus for being, allowing me to play well, but he's a clean cut young man who does charity work uh, and doesn't get in trouble with the law. He is someone that should be, should, we should pick on. And yet you have guys like Terrell Owens who continue to grab headlines. I don't, I don't get that. Until you read this. And you understand that when you look different than the world, the world's not going to like you. But that's okay. Because we have God. We are delighting in God and we're getting the desires of our heart. Those of you who've gone over recently with us uh, to the AP uh, met Chelsea. And I got an email, a newsletter from her this past week, and I have permission to share this uh, from her newsletter. But she writes this in her newsletter, and this sums up exactly what I'm trying to say. She writes, and now she's, no, she's not currently serving in our adopted country. She's actually in a different location in, in the Middle East, but uh, doing the same thing, okay? She writes this. She says, a good way to describe what is going on in me and in the lighthouse is, heavenly. Do not take this to mean that life is easy and everywhere I turn, people are turning to the Lord. In reality, quite the opposite is true. Today, I'm writing in a coffee shop instead of my home because it is being treated for bugs. Every member of the team has gotten sick or had some difficulty and we have not been without conflict. Students have ignored our calls to us up at meetings and we have been falsely accused Oh, but we have been immensely blessed. We have the joy to preach the gospel to the students of the lighthouse. And we have been given an amazing family of believers who encourage us along the way. We are seeing his kingdom come to the lighthouse with, with each passing day. And students eagerly want to read the Bible and to learn more about our Lord. What are you delighting in this year? What will you delight in in 2012? What we should all desire to delight in would be that God's name would be magnified and amplified and multiplied among the nations. You should desire that Waukee Community Church would make disciples, not just within our body, but make disciples of Waukee and then into the rest of the Des Moines area and then all the way over to the Middle East. That should be our desire. So how do we do this? Well, because it's a sermon, there's three things that you can do and they're going to be alliterated because that's what all good sermons have. So the first thing that you should do in order to delight yourself in the Lord so that he will give you the desires of your heart is this. Spend time with him and his people. This is relationships. 
Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life in your presence, meaning God's presence, there is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You can't delight in God if you don't spend time with him. Psalm 43, 4 says, Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. So there's that aspect of going to God, but there's also that aspect of when you go to the altar, there's other people there. There's the gathering, like we are this morning. So you want to spend time with him and his people, but the second way that we can practically delight ourselves in the Lord to, and so that he will give us the desires of our heart is that we can serve God with gladness and cheerfulness. This is giving your life away. Matthew 5, 25, 21, this is the parable of the talents. Do you remember this parable? Jesus gives certain people certain amounts of, of money and then he, the, the master in the parable, the master goes away, the master comes back and this is what he says to the first servant. He said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Now get this. Enter into the joy of your master. This isn't enter into the joy of what I've given you. Don't enter into the joy of all that you've accumulated. Enter into the joy of your master. Romans 12.8 says... The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Cheerfulness. We're supposed to do mercy with cheerfulness. And Micah 6.8, this is the passage that Jesus quoted earlier, that I quoted Jesus quoting earlier. In Micah 6.8 it says, What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? So we spend time with him and his people. We serve God with gladness and cheerfulness. And then the third practical way that we can delight ourselves in the Lord is this, is to share the gospel with everybody we meet. Share the gospel with everyone we meet. This is multiplication. This is missions. 1 Corinthians 9, 22 through 23 says, I have become, oh, this is Paul writing, okay? Paul says, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. Get this that I may share with them, the people that he's sharing the gospel with, okay, that I may share with them in it's the gospel, so that I may share with them in the gospel's blessings. Share the gospel with everyone you meet. Romans ten fifteen. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Did you know that when you preach the gospel to people, you're beautiful, in God's eyes. Why? Because it's his desire that people would come to know him. Now, I know some of you are there this morning. You're saying, well, but I'm not desiring bad things. I'm desiring that my marriage might be restored. I'm desiring that God may bless me with a child. Those aren't bad. It's not bad to desire those things, right? No, I don't think it is. But it becomes bad when that is what you desire and more than you desire to delight in God. And I know this firsthand. 
It was about seven or eight years ago. I've stood up here a lot, and Lucas has just been a miracle in my life. But about five or eight years ago, I remember praying because I wanted a child so bad. And I remember standing there or kneeling there or, I don't know, driving maybe. I don't remember. I remember praying. And I said, God, if it's your desire for me to have a child, give me a child. But God, if it's not, take the desire away and give me more of you. Because I want you more than I want a child. I want you, God. Which then enabled me when we were driving back, I was driving back from the ultrasound when they said that, your, that his brain was too big and that there was a chance that he might be born with Down syndrome. And I could repeat and over and over again, he is, God is sufficient, he is enough, he will provide. Why? Because suddenly Lucas was not my treasure. Don't get me wrong, I love the little guy. I wouldn't trade him for anything. But he's not my treasure. Jesus is. Jim Elliott was a a missionary to Ecuador in the 1950s. He died on the mission field. And he says this. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jesus says, the Bible says, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That's a promise. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, we delight ourselves in the only thing that will never, ever, ever let us down. Which is why I tell Julie to delight herself in Jesus, not in me, because I let her down all the time. Friends, I referenced this passage earlier, but Matthew, that passage in Matthew means so much to me because that to me is what Jesus is. He is the treasure in a field that I will sell everything I have to get because he alone is my my treasure. He alone is my joy. And friends, my prayer for you and for me and for Walking Community Church in 2012 is that we would delight ourselves in the Lord so that he will give us the desires of our heart and that above all things, he will be glorified and magnified. That's my prayer. And I ask you to join with me in that prayer. Let's pray. Father, I do make that my prayer. And I pray that for every person here today, that it would be their prayer as well. I pray that we would be people who would long to see your name magnified and glorified among our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, and ultimately to the ends of the earth. Father, I pray that we would be people who would delight in what you delight in. And above all, Father, I pray that we would just humble ourselves and love you and passionately seek you in 2012. We love you, God. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.